Romans 8, verse number 14. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Any sons of God in the room? Children of God, born of God, not born of man, but of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, children of God. So here's one thing, as children of God, we can expect our Heavenly Father to do for us. He'll lead us and guide us in all the affairs of life. Let me tell you something. If you're interested in it, God's interested in it. Amen. If you really want answers in life in different areas, God is interested in communicating those answers to you. So he'll not just lead you in one or so areas. He'll lead you in many areas. I've, I've had him lead me. I've had things that I've lost that I, that I looked and, I mean, spent an hour looking, trying to find, where did that go? And uh, I just finally sat down and said, all right, Lord, you know where it is. I don't know where it is. And I got out of my head and just quieted my mind, dipped down into my spirit, and right there was the answer. I mean, as clear as ever. I went out there, put my hand right where, and right there it was. Just amazing how the Spirit of God will lead you in many, many, many of the affairs of life. He'll lead you in your financial affairs. He'll lead you in your love walk and teach you how to walk in love. Praise God. All the married couples said amen. amen. <laughs> so as many as are led, led by the Spirit of God, not led by our minds, not led by our feelings, not led by our, our rational mind, uh, uh, not led by our bodies, not led by our emotions, uh, not led by all these other voices in the world, not led by what somebody thinks or somebody's opinion, not led by circumstances. Come on, somebody. Not led by an audible voice or an angel choir or a prophet that prophesied. He said, led by the Spirit of God, and specifically verse 16 tells us more information. The Spirit Himself, King James says itself, but all the others will say Himself, beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. All right, so now we've got more information. These leadings come primarily by what he calls here the witness of the Spirit. And it is the inner witness because it's the Spirit man is the inner man. Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 16 said, The outward man perisheth, the inward man is renewed day by day. The spirit man is what he's talking about. And the outward man's the body. The inward man is the spirit man. He also has the soul. But that inward man, the spirit, is what he's talking about. He's renewed day by day. So we put those th truths together. This verse says he bears witness and with our spirits and the spirit in 1 Corinthians 14, or 4, 16 is the inward man. So he bears witness with the inward man, the spirit of man. And we call it the inward witness. That means we are led internally, not externally. We've got to get that truth. So many Christians are more natural minded and more caught up with the circumstances of life. Uh, and those things are making their decisions for them when this verse says that uh, it's, you're going to miss it that way. Uh, circumstances can change. Uh, Satan can manipulate circumstances. 
You know, you can think about the, the fleece that Gideon put out in the Old Testament and say, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask God to make these certain circumstances happen. Like Gideon, you know, he said, well, make the fleece dry and the ground wet. And that happened. Then he said, well, that could have happened. That could have just circumstantially happened. Then he said, let make the fleece wet, God, and the dry ground dry or whatever I said last time, the opposite of it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that happened. And those were circumstantial things that a man in the Old Testament followed and God used. But you can look at that and say, well, that's the way we should do then. We should put out fleeces or, you know, ask God to make these certain circumstances happen and I'll know you're leading me. But see, that's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. Old Testament, they didn't have this here. They didn't have the indwelling presence of the anointing, you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they couldn't follow this inner witness because they weren't born again. They were spiritually dead people. They were not in fellowship with God in that sense to where he could bear witness with their spirits and let them know what to do. And so in the Old Testament, they, they would uh, follow different things. They would even go to the prophet and seek the guidance from the prophet. But see, that's because that's where the anointing was. Uh, the, the prophet had the anointing. The layman, as we say, the average uh, you know, person that was an Israelite, uh, that was a Jew. They didn't have the uh, Holy Ghost living on the inside, so they couldn't go to the Holy Ghost living on the inside. They had to go to where the Spirit was, and He was on the prophet, and so forth and so on. And the prophet had revelation gifts, so they would go to the prophet. And we see them doing that, and God didn't, God didn't say it was wrong to do that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we all have the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just in there, uh, you know, he's not idle. He's not doing nothing. He has a ministry. He's got a, uh, uh, something that he's in there to do. You ought to study the, the Holy Spirit's ministry on the inside and find out what he'll do. The, the Bible, Jesus called him the, the comforter. And that word in the Greek means he's a helper, he's a strengthener, he's a standby, he's an advocate, he's an intercessor. Uh, I'm missing some of them, but he's all that. <laughs> he's, he's your helper, and he's your guide. This verse says he'll serve to guide you in all the affairs of life. He's not in there, just, he, he's, he's, he's going with you everywhere you go, but he's not in there just as a hitchhiker. You know, just along for the ride. No, he has an assignment. He's on a, a mission from heaven to do many things in the believer's life. And guidance is one of them. But not guidance in the way many people think of. They look at natural things or circumstances or look to another man to prophesy. Or they want a, a vision or they want to hear a voice. Uh, you know, God has a voice and he can talk, but so does the devil. Right. And the devil can be uh, like the Bible talks about him becoming like an angel of light. That just simply means he can become an impersonator. He can act like God. He can uh, talk with audible sound and an audible voice like God can. And uh, so you don't want to depend on something that Satan can duplicate or that he can imitate. Uh, the enemy is the God of this world, and he will manipulate circumstances. If you're going to go by circumstances, or we call it the fleece, like Gideon. If you're going to go by those sorts of things, Satan can manipulate circumstances. Why? Because he's the God of this world. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like you could say, Lord, if it's your will that I do such and such, have Pastor, have Pastor Jay do such and such. Or maybe you, you live in the town I live in, and, you know, if it's your will, I'm going to drive past Pastor Jay's house, and if it's your will that I do this or I do that, then when I drive past Pastor Jay's house, you have him walk out his front door and see me and say, Hello. Well, somebody said, couldn't God do that? Sure he could. But I live there, and I might just go outside just because the mailman came. And I'm not coming out by the leading of the Spirit. I'm just coming out because the mailman, okay, I'm going to get the mail. I see you. Hi. And that could just be a circumstantial thing that happened for no other reason other than it was a circumstance that happened. And it might not have anything to do with God directing you. And uh, we need to be, we need to, somebody said, well, you know, these fleeces, they work about 50% of the time. That's not good enough for me. Me, I got to have something that's much more sure, much more accurate. And one thing the devil can't duplicate is this inner witness. Because, you know why? Because he's not inside of us. He's not living in our spirits. And he can't communicate with our spirits. He's not in contact with our spirit. But our spirit is in contact with the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God in our spirits can pass on the knowledge of God to our spirits without even uh, speaking with a voice. The inner witness mentioned here in verse 16, where His Spirit bears witness with our spirit, is not even a voice. It's just an inner witness. Uh, let, me, let me give you some other... Uh, let me see if I can find this real quickly here. Going a little different direction at the beginning than I planned. But there's some other words that the, the uh, Bible uses for this. Um, it's for, for the word witness here, you look it up in the Greek, it means confirming or supporting testimony, evidence, record, or corroborating report. It, it's translated unction. It's translated inspiration. Um, and, and there's many ways that the Word describes it. So none of those things have to be words spoken at all. It can be, it, it's translated, and we'll go through these in a, in a moment, I think, if we get direction this way. It can be just an inner knowing. It can be an inner peace. It can be an inner clarity or an inner illumination. And we'll look into those, those things possibly if we get, get time to here today. But none of that has to be a voice at all. Amen? It's as if the inner witness sometimes is just the Holy Ghost in our spirits going. Are you looking at the camera? Look up at me. He's just, he's just shaking his head. You know, if, if you ask me a question, I could answer it with my voice. Or I could just go. And you know the answer is no. Right. right? Although I didn't say a word. And sometimes the inner witness is just like that. It's like the Holy Ghost is in there going, hmm. <laughs> and you just know on the inside, no, this is not the direction. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we get, get led to get into that. But it's very important that we recognize that so many times we're looking to other things and we need to wean ourselves off of whatever. You know, some people are just doing what everybody else is doing. Right. They, they just learn by watching other Christians who, by the way, don't know what they're doing. Yeah. 
they don't know how to follow the Spirit for themselves. They're just doing what somebody before them showed them. And uh, you can learn wrong by watching other Christians who don't know what they're doing. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching against being in fellowship with other Christians. I'm just simply saying we've got to all examine the Scriptures and see if this is really the way God directs us. Uh, the, the body of Christ so many times is looking externally for God whenever He lives right on the inside of them. Amen. So we want to get into this. So what does, the, what, what does uh, Romans 8, 14, and 16 say to us? One thing it tells us is that we are spirit beings. And we went over that yesterday. Uh, his spirit bears witness with our spirits. We went to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. You can go there again and uh, look at it if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23. It says, uh, I pray God your whole spirit then he said, soul, and then he said, body, be preserved blameless under the coming day. So he said, this is your whole being, your whole makeup. There's nothing about you that is not listed in that verse. That's your entire makeup. That's, that's, that you are a spirit being, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-part being. Psychologists won't acknowledge that, but the Word of God teaches that, that all, all men, women, humans, you know, men and women, are spirit beings as well as they have a soul and they live in a body. Psychologists today will just talk about the body and the soul, uh, or the psyche, and they study the psyche of man, um, and they call it psychology. Uh, what we're teaching is spiritology. You might say, oh, I never, never heard of that. Well, it's not necessarily something in the Word, that you, a word or, or, a, or a word you'll find in the Bible. But let me just kind of explain what these ologies are. You ever heard of biology? Biology is a study of the human anatomy or other organisms, other uh, you know, things in the, in the natural world. Uh, the word ology means the study of. So the study of biology, study of natural, you know, organisms or the human body or things like that. Uh, psychology is the study of the psyche of man, the mind and the emotions and so forth, the will and so forth. That's what the soul actually is, mind, will, and emotions. And they, they study psychology. Well, nobody ever talks about studying spiritology because people don't know much about the spirit man. What is, the, what is spiritology? Spiritology is really the study of the human spirit. Now, let me, let me uh, rephrase that. It's the study of the recreated, born-again human spirit. Listen to me. That, that is ruling a man, controlling his body through the renewed mind. That's my definition of spiritology. In other words, when we study the human spirit, I'm not interested in studying the dead human spirit before it's born again. Because why? That has the nature of the devil. What? Not, no, no. My relatives who weren't born again, they got the nature of the devil? Absolutely. Just as much as you did before you were born again. Jesus said to some of the most religious people of his day, you are of your father, the devil. Amen. Spiritually dead people have the nature of Satan. Amen. 
That's strong. But if people aren't born again, they are not children of God. People say, we are all the children of God. Well, we were all created by God. We don't know what people are talking about. But we are not all spiritually alive to God. All have sinned and spiritually died. Unless a man's born again, he is not. His spirit does not have the nature of God in it. And so a man, that's why Jesus said, ye must be born again. And when a man's born again, the Holy Spirit comes into his spirit, recreates it. And the Bible said, old things have passed away. All things have become new. The new man is the new nature that, that has the love of God shed abroad in his heart, has all the fruit of the spirit. He is perfect. He is complete. Just like when a natural baby is born uh, and if, if any of you have any children, you've, you've, you remember the time that baby was born. That baby came out, it had all its fingers, it had all its toes, it has ears, it has eyes, it has everything. Everything's perfect, right? It's complete. There's nothing missing. It's a whole baby. It's, it's everything's there. But that baby is not developed. You understand? And that's the way when you got born again, you had all the nature of God. You had the love of God. You had the peace of God. You had the, the, the faith of God. You had the, everything that, that, that God is, you had. Remember all the fruit of the spirits mentioned in the Bible? And you, you, have, you have all those things. And when you got born again, you also have the Holy Ghost living in you to guide you. But just like that natural baby was born complete, whole, and everything, there's nothing missing. We're born again and nothing's missing, but we might not have developed some of these things, including the inner witness. The Spirit of God's in you right now. If you're born again, He lives in you. Somebody said, well, I'm not baptizing the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Even if you're not baptizing the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, but if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, and He is in there to bear witness with your spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an endowment of power from on high to come on you from the outside to be a witness. But the, 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 the Spirit living on the inside of the believer happens at the new birth, not at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism is the power coming on you to be a witness. The new birth is these, the well of living water springing up on the inside of the spirit of man. And that's in every born-again believer. And he's in there to bless your life personally. And he'll minister to your life personally. And he'll, Jesus said, he'll guide you into all truth. And here he said he'll guide you really in all the affairs of life. Um, you know, we read yesterday, we read verse 17, where it talks about your inheritance as a child of God. I believe he's saying you'll, he'll guide you into all your inheritance. But you might not have developed the, that inner witness. That, that your spirit man can develop just like a baby is born perfect, but he has to develop. Uh, you are born with all this that the Bible says when you're born again, but it might not be developed. And so you're not aware of this that lives on the inside of you, but you can be. I don't know if you've ever seen a child whenever, you know, it starts growing, it's, it's born, it's got hands, feet, and everything. Any of you parents ever noticed the day your, your child recognized their hand? That's like, oh, I got a hand. Oh, I can move it. Hey, I can do it on purpose. Because before that, their hands were just flopping without thinking about it. But they, they started eventually learning to move their hand. And then they might, you know, they might start using it on purpose, you know. And, and that's the way you can grow spiritually. You can recognize, oh, the Holy Ghost is in me. He bears witness with me. And, and you can learn to look to that on purpose. 
and get guidance in all the affairs of life. Wow, what a day when you grow up and start recognizing that. So, but uh, we have to recognize that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirits, not our minds, not our bodies. Amen. So we looked at that yesterday. We looked at the fact we are spirit beings, uh, like First Thessalonians 5 said there. And uh, we, we must, that man is listed first, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit's listed first because that man is to become the most dominant part of our being. That's the part where God dwells. God is a spirit. I know we're recapping, but boy, I just enjoy going over it myself again. Uh, he's a spirit, and in, as a spirit being, he broadcasts his signal, whether it be guidance or teaching or whatever he's got, whatever he's doing, he's broadcasting his signal in the spirit realm because he's a spirit being. And the, the beautiful thing is, is he created you in his image and that you're a spirit being. And so, since God is a spirit and he broadcasts his signal in the spirit realm, you as a spirit being can pick up on that because you, are, you exist in that realm. You are a spirit being. Yeah, you have a body and you can contact the physical realm, but as a spirit being, you can contact the spiritual realm. Uh, natural uh, <clears throat> plants and animals, they don't recognize the move of the Spirit. We've never had, we've never had a move of God here at the church and any plant run around the, move, run around the building because it sensed the Holy Ghost. Because they're not spirit beings. They're, they're not conscious of that. Why is it that you never, you know, whether it be way back where mankind, there, there are tribes that have never been contacted by civilized man or something like that. Why is it when mankind or civilized man makes contact with these tribes, they are all worshiping something? All of them worshiping something. They might not be worshiping God, but they're worshiping something. And uh, the reason is because they're conscious of a realm beyond the seen realm. They're, why? Because they are spirit beings. They're not just like monkeys. Listen to me. They're not like kangaroos. No explorer has gone into an unexplored area of any nation and ever found chimpanzees with a carved image and, and they're worshiping it. You say, Pastor Jay, you've gone off the deep end. What are you talking about? I'm making a point that animals are not spirit beings. Plants are not spirit beings. Bugs are not spirit beings. Lizards are not spirit beings. Humans are something way above animals. Humans are spirit beings. They're created in the image of God. That's why when we find tribes that have been not, not been contacted by civil men, civilized men, they're always worshiping something because they're spirit beings. They're aware of another realm. Now, I know there's some of them worshiping devils, but see, that's another realm. That's beyond the natural realm. That's the spirit realm. Uh, it's not God, obviously, but it's the spirit realm. And the reason they're aware of another realm or aware of the spirit realm is because they are spirit beings. Hello? So we, we, we need to not just, you know, get into all this stuff about evolution that man evolved. Well, where did his spirit come from then? Come on, somebody. <laughs> no, God created man in his image and in his likeness. Man is a spirit because God is a spirit. And being that man is a spirit, when God broadcasts something, we can pick it up. We can know it. We can know it. Hallelujah. 
So we studied on that yesterday quite extensively, spent some time talking about the spirit of man. And uh, we, we want to look at some more of this. And uh, I think it's important. Let's just, let's just uh, talk about this just a little bit more. Um, many Christians, because they haven't been taught and their minds have not been renewed to what the Bible says about this, they're looking somewhere else for direction. They're not looking internally. And that's dangerous. As I just said, Satan's the God of this world. And as the God of this world, he will deceive through the realm of sight and experiences and circumstances. He'll lie. He'll, he'll mislead. He'll, he'll uh, really, uh, he'll mess your life up. If you follow these other things, the Bible says, G Jesus made this statement. He said, uh, my, my sheep know my voice and the voice of strangers they won't follow. I'm only interested in following him, not these other things. Because uh, God, God won't talk to you through the circumstantial realm. Hello, I know some of you don't believe that, but he won't. He won't. Um, but the thing that I want you to know is, if your not, mind is not renewed to this, you can actually begin to look for guidance in ways that He won't guide and be misled. Amen? And miss God because by, by a thousand miles because you're expecting direction to come one way when it's not going to come that way. It comes a different way than what he, the way he actually leads. I have an illustration I want to use with you that will help you on this. Uh, let's say I have something really, a real blessing plan for you. I, I just have you in my heart, and I want to bless you with something, and I want to uh, come pick you up and, uh, you know, take you out to a nice meal. And then let's say I want to just bless you with a new house. Some of you are getting excited right now. You want, hey, Pastor Jay, I'll, I'll receive that. But let's say I come over there and I say, Pastor, I'm just so, so thrilled. Um, I want to bless you with something, and, and I want to take you out. I'm going to come pick you up. We're going to go to a good meal, and then I'm going to take you to this new house. I've already paid for it. Everything's, uh, you know, just a wonderful place for you and your family, and I want to be a blessing to you. But I'm going to come pick you up at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, all right? 7 o'clock tomorrow night. So be ready. I'll be there. Well, let's say I didn't explain to you how I'm going to show up. Because it's a big evening, uh, you know, you might expect a limo or something, right? But let's say I choose not to bring a limo. Let's say I choose to bring a, one of those three-wheeled motorbikes. I wish I remember the name of them. <laughs> Y'all said it when I was there. I don't remember the name of them. But you know what I'm talking about. Those little taxis, with that little motorcycles that have the little seats in the back. And, but, and so rather than pick you up in a limo, I'm picking you up in a uh, three-wheeled motorbike. And so you're waiting for me at your house, and you're expecting a limo, but I show up in a three-wheel motorbike, and I can be sitting outside in that three-wheel motorbike, sitting there, just waiting on you, and you're looking right past me because you're expecting a limo. You see the three-wheel motorbike, and you keep looking for the limo. You know, where's the limo? Where's the limo? And uh, because that, 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 you understand what I'm talking about, because you were expecting another uh, uh, way for me to come and get you, you can look right past me sitting right there. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's true. Yes. 
Are you understand what I'm talking about? And even though the, what you are looking for is sitting right in front of you, you're missing it. Right? Because you were looking for me to show up another way. Well, that's the same way if you keep thinking God's going to guide you one particular way, and maybe through circumstances or you know, prophecy or something like that, then, or maybe you just think he's going to guide you in your mind, you know, by you just trying to figure it all out and say, well, I'm gonna, this is what God wants me to do. Maybe a voice or something like that. You won't even notice the inner witness, even though it's there the whole time. And therefore, miss everything that that witness is trying to guide you into. Just like you could miss that three-wheeled motorbike that I'm there to pick you up in and get you to the, and guide you into the blessings I have for you. Amen. And you need to think about what I just said and meditate on that because people are praying, oh God, what do I do? And the witness pops up and they push it down. Oh God, what do I do? It keeps popping up and they push it down. And uh, that witness is God. It's not as spectacular as some other things. Just like my limo would have been real spectacular, right? Boy, that would have been a ride, that would have been a rush, everything going good. But no, I didn't show up in a very spectacular way. You understand? And people, because they gravitate toward the spectacular, they miss this inner witness. Or I like what Brother Hagin said. He said they gravitate toward the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. This witness is just as supernatural as an angel showing up. And it's even more sure than an angel showing up. The reason is because Satan can appear as an angel of light. Not preaching against the ministry of angels. We've had them and we've, we've experienced them and we've received their ministry. But it has to, all those other things, prophecy, you know, somebody gave you a word, uh, angels showing up, voices out, booming out of heaven. Uh, the Bible shows us, the word of God shows us that God will do those things as well. But listen to me, if, if those things happen and they don't bear witness with your spirit, what, what happens down here when that experience happens trumps everything. It's, it's more sure than anything else. If you don't have a witness of it down here, somebody prophesies what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this, take this church, pastor over here, marry this person, whatever, invest your money here, whatever, uh, and it doesn't bear witness with you, throw it away. Pastor Jay, if, what if you prophesied to me? If it doesn't bear witness with you, throw it away. Amen. I don't do anything I don't have a piece about. And you shouldn't either. Even if it seems like somebody you trust said it. Now you might go pray, say, Lord, am I missing something here? And if, and if he says, yeah, well then, okay. But if he says, if you, if you just don't have any peace about it or don't have any witness about it, then you just put it on the shelf. I mean, some things I just throw away immediately. Some things I just put on the shelf and I say, well, God, if you want to talk to me more about that, you talk to me or you witness with me. But right now it doesn't seem to, I, I don't know. Yeah. Amen. Doesn't quite seem right. Let me say something. If it's not quite, it's not right. Amen. It's not right. Amen. When you have a peace about it in your spirit, which is one way this inner witness uh, manifests, when you have that peace about it in your spirit, it will be, yeah, ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I am so clear on this. This is just exactly what the Lord's telling me. Thank God we can know. Amen. Everybody glad? Glad you can know. 
And so uh, these things are telling, these verses right here are telling us that we are spirit beings. Uh, they also communicate to us that it's the Holy Spirit's ministry to not only just live in us, but actually to impart the knowledge of God into our spirits. To, to, we can know exactly what He's telling us to do. And uh, this is what the Bible means. Listen to very carefully. Remember it says over there, let me look at it. Go over there with me actually. This would be good for you to look this up. First um, Corinthians chapter number 2. This is what the Bible means when it says in verse 16, you're going to 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 16, Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's it right there. That, whether, whether you know it or not, you might say, well, that's the mind of Christ. We know that in our mind. We're to renew our mind. Yeah, we're to renew our mind. But from the whole context, you read from verse number 6 all the way down through to verse number 16, it is not talking about the mind. It's talking about the inner knowing by the Spirit of God who lives in our spirits. So where do we have the mind of Christ? We have it in our, in our spirits. Now, what's in our spirits can rise up out of our spirit and, and enlighten our mind. And then we have what, what, we have what God thinks about it. Let's put it that way. Well, we, we have what God thinks about it in our spirits. We know in our spirits what God's mind is or what He thinks about it. And that can float up and enlighten our mind. Sure, we understand that. In order to act on it, it's going to have to approach our mind or, or reach our mind. But God doesn't communicate directly from the spirit realm to our minds. He communicates from the spirit realm to our spirits. And you get quiet and pray in other tongues, what's in here will float up. The Bible says when we pray in tongues, we, we speak mysteries. Well, the purpose of praying in tongues is so it doesn't remain a mystery. It can, it, can be, it can enlighten our minds and go from being a mystery to revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge, which is not always, doesn't always come through a voice. It can come just through an inner, I see it, I see it. Or I know, right now I, I have an unction and I know. Hallelujah. So that's what this is talking about. That Number one, we're spirit beings. And number two, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to enlighten us and guide us and give us the exact knowledge of God. So I'm going to let you read that second chapter on your own later. If you start in verse 6 especially, all the way down through, it's talking about God reveals Himself to us by His Spirit. Hallelujah. And uh, that's all in there. The natural man doesn't receive these things, but we are in tune with God and we can know exactly what He has in mind. Praise the Lord. So then the third thing we learn from these verses is uh, the spirit of man is what receives direction. We just mentioned that, not our minds. The next thing we can know is that, that God is faithful. He will guide us like this. And, uh, and then also it's telling us that God contacts us in our spirits, not in the natural realm or the natural mind. And we can also look at this and we can say these verses are telling us that God leads us. He doesn't coerce us. Now we need to look at that truth. This verse said here, I'm back in Romans 8 again. As many as are led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Verse 16, His Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we're the sons of God. The, the term led is not something that implies force. 
or implies coercion. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, if you think about the way some people try to influence other people, uh, there's a lot of coercion and sort of strong-arming and sort of manipulating and sort of, you know, trying to get somebody to do what they want by force. Um, people that yield to those kinds of things will begin to actually yield to devils. Uh, because demons force. The Holy Ghost never forces. He never coerces. Amen. He'll never make you do anything. He'll guide you. He'll give you an unction because he's trying to lead you into something. But leading is different than forcing. This is very, very important. Uh, especially in some realms and some cultures, people get demanding. They get forceful. Well, you have to do this or else. Uh, you don't have to do anything. Amen. Amen. God will not force and nobody in the body of Christ should try to force you. Anybody that is trying to force you, run. Are you with me this, this evening? Um, because that's not God. Anything uh, that tries to override your will or make you do something you don't want to do. Somebody said, well, God wants us to do something. Won't he sort of make it impress us strong? Yeah, he'll impress you strong. He'll lead you and guide you and make it clear to you what he wants you to do. But he'll never go beyond that to try to make you to do it. Because only demons do that. Always remember this. The Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. He, uh, because God is love, the Bible said God is love. Love never forces. You understand what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I just had an unction on this uh, that earlier today. I needed to address this because some ministers get into this. And they try to make people do things. Uh, that, that, that's the wrong spirit. This verse didn't say, as many as he forces. The Holy Ghost won't force. Why should man force? People that try to force, it's because they don't have any faith. They don't trust God to guide people to, to uh, you know, into helping, helping them in the church and so forth and so on. So they feel like they've got to force people. Somebody's being helped right now. <laughs> I just know it by the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you by an inner witness he will never manipulate. He'll never force. He'll never coerce. Demons do that. Um, he, he will wait. The, the Holy Spirit will wait to be received. Yes. He will wait for you and I to respond to his dealings within our spirits. Uh, he'll not coerce. But let me say this. That lack of coercion makes some people think, that the leadings they are getting are not that important if they follow it or not. Well, God's not forcing me, so it doesn't seem like it's that important that I follow that or not. It's nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that He's not forcing or not coercing is His love for you and His respect for your free will. He will not override your free will. 
But that doesn't mean that you being disobedient to his leadings does, won't hurt you or have heartache attached to it. Because uh, nothing could be further from the truth that disobeying the leadings of the Spirit won't, won't cause you problems. They'll cause you big problems. But because he loves you, he won't force you. He'll let you do things that will hurt you, even though it's not his will. He'll, he'll, let you, he'll let you marry somebody that you want to marry just because, you know, your flesh is, is attached, you know, attracted to them. But it's going to be heartache marrying them because they're not the right one for you and they're not right-spirited or whatever. And he'll lead you and he'll plead with you and he'll draw you away from that, but he'll not coerce you. But a lot of people think because he does, he's not forcing me, then I can do anything I want. And because it's not a coercion, it's no big deal that I respond. Nothing could be further from the truth. Are you getting what the Spirit of God's saying to you? It's very, very important that you respond to the dealings of the Spirit. It can be a matter of life and death. Remember the Bible said, I set for you life and death, but still you choose. That's him saying, I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to make you choose life. But you choose the wrong thing, it will be death. Even though I'm not going to force you to do it. Oh, God's good. Tell your neighbor right there where you're sitting. Poke him and say, God's good. He'll not force you. He's got a good plan for you. And he longs for you to walk in that plan, but uh, don't think his lack of force uh, makes it no big deal whether you follow this. Amen. And so that lack of coercion makes some people think that it's no big deal, uh, but the inner witness can't be ignored and you really succeed in life. You, you have to know that no leading of the Spirit is a small deal. It may seem like a small issue, but it is huge. If you'll follow, it'll lead you into some huge thing, and it can even save your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we need to understand that. Uh, he'll wait for you to choose what you want. And uh, you can choose the way of heartache, the way of disobedience, the way of not responding, you know, the way of not acknowledging what he's saying to your heart. Uh, you can choose all that, but go right into heartache, and God will let you, but that doesn't mean it was his will. You understand? Praise God. So there's a lot in these verses, aren't there? He didn't say, as many as are coerced. No, he said, as many as are led. Hallelujah. And so uh, that's very important. Natural men to pay more attention, to, uh, they tend to pay more attention to the loudest, most dominant force, voice, or influence. Natural men do. But we're not, uh, there's a bug, <laughs> we're not choosing to be natural. Right. We're choosing to be spiritual people, Amen. right? And spiritual people are led by the Spirit through the inner witness. And listen to this, spiritual people don't coerce other people. Right. You know, um, people say, I don't like it when salesmen really pressure me to buy a product. Why don't you like that? It's because that's not your father, that's not the influence of your father trying to get you to do something that maybe is not even in your best interest. It's just somebody trying to make a sale. Amen. Somebody who loves you will never force you. Somebody who loves you will never coerce you to do something that's not best in your best interest. Well, praise the Lord. 
Amen. Let me say that again. The natural men tend to pay more attention to the loudest, most dominant, most forceful influence or voice. That's natural men. But uh, the inner witness is seldom the loudest voice. In fact, it's not a voice at all. And if you're not careful, you'll, you'll go right past it not even recognize it because it's not forceful it's not loud it's not dominating you know just it's a gentle witness a gentle knowing and so the most demanding voice is not always the right voice that's not always the one that's God speaking to you or leading you or witnessing with you are, are you still glad you came today yes. <laughs> we're getting some help um, actually the most demanding voices are usually not God at all right. amen the witness is God uh, we looked at uh, yesterday we looked at that passage where it talks about Elijah on Mount Carmel you remember that where there was a wind and an earthquake and, and all that moving and shaking <laughs> You know, all those things, they can make a lot of things move and shake, right? But uh, Elijah didn't, uh, he, he sensed God wasn't in any of those things, the wind, earthquake, and the fire. But whenever there came a still, small voice, he recognized God in it. The other translations say gentle whisper. The, the leading of the Spirit is very gentle. It's, it's not, it's not, you know, dominating or forceful, but it is the right one. It is the right influence to follow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me say this. Some of the biggest decisions of your life, you'll get nothing but the inner witness. God hasn't promised you anything else. God hasn't promised you to talk to you in an audible voice. That's not in, I mean, we see examples of it in the Word that God can do that, but He never promises you that. Here, He said, as a child of God, this is one of your birthrights. This is part of your inheritance to be led by the Spirit of God, by the inner witness. He promises you this, but He doesn't promise you a voice. He doesn't promise you an angel choir coming from heaven. He doesn't promise you a prophecy. Come on. Some people strut around like, man, I get prophecies all the time, man. I'm spiritual. If they only knew that that might not mean you're spiritual, it might mean you are more carnal and aren't listening to anything else. And God, out of His mercy, has to talk to you loud and shake you in the natural realm where you hear the natural words to get your attention. Or else it's dangerous for you because you're not paying attention to the inner witness. That doesn't mean you're spiritual. It could mean you're just dull, yeah. spiritually dull. Yeah. Amen. Pastor, you're preaching good today. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. Come on. I mean, people that are already hearing and sensing what God's saying and walking in the light of it, they don't need anything else. They're getting, God, they're getting what God's saying, and they're on the way. Man, they're, they're doing what God... So, you know, God doesn't need to talk to them any other way. Amen. Amen. And listen, the, the greater, the bigger decisions don't mean you have to have something more than the inner witness. Yes, that's right. yes. Some of the biggest, in fact, the greatest decisions of our life that have blessed my wife and I's life the most. Things like, uh, 
getting out of the denominational church, going to Ramah Bible Training Center, Brother Higgins School. Oh, my goodness. That was huge, vital, so important that I catch that and, and make that right decision and get to the place I was supposed to be. Life-changing, literally. I think it saved my life physically, actually. Huge. But you know, what I, you know how I was led there? No voice from heaven. Nobody prophesied. No angel choir. Right? Just a knowing. Just a knowing. Just a knowing. Amen. And so many things. Moving here to Cedar Rapids, the pastor. Huge. Major important. I mean, I could tell you all the reasons why it's important. I mean, I don't have time to get into it. But huge. The, the, being in the right place. Making the right connections. All the things God's done for us so far. By, by obeying that. Huge. But had nothing but the inner witness. And I could tell you other situations. Um, God has not promised you anything else. You might not get anything else but the inner witness. So trust it. Amen. Trust it. Listen, God doesn't, uh, He's not obligated to you to give you anything else. Um, people say because it's a bigger deal, I need something more. I mean, whew, I, I just got to make sure. Listen, there's nothing more sure than the inner peace, the inner knowing, the inner witness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, you learn that you don't have to depend on somebody else's uh, ability to hear from God. Amen. I, you know, if they miss it, they prophesy something, and you make a decision based on what they prophesied or what they said God's telling me to tell you to do, and, they, and, and because you do what they say, you get into all kinds of heartache and trouble and things don't work out. And Believe me, these things happen, man. I'm, I, I just can't tell you how much this has got to be said. That things don't work out because people are not listening down in here. Uh, they're, they're waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Um, that, that, that is depending on somebody else's ability to hear from God. And if they miss it, and because you do it, and, and that wasn't God, and you miss it, and you get into heartache, you can go back to them and say, hey, this, this wasn't God, it didn't work out, and it wasn't, so forth. They, all they can do is go, whoops. And here you are with the mess on your hands. You've got the, 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 the wrong relationship, or you've got the whatever problem that it brought into your life. Amen. Uh, I wouldn't trust anybody else to hear God from me. Because there's nobody as interested in my well-being as me. <laughs> I mean, God is, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about no other person more interested in my well-being than me. And uh, people can just flippantly say things and, 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 and just... Tell people what they think God's saying, and people want to prophesy to one another. Uh, I would wean myself off of that if I were you. Amen. Just because uh, that's not the primary way God's, God hasn't promised you He's going to do that. And so people that are pushing that all the time, and if God's not in it, sometimes He is to confirm something you already have in your spirit. But God's not in seeking that and trying to find somebody to prophesy to you. And if God's not in it, and, but it's happening all the time, that means if God's not in it and it's happening all the time, they're doing it in the flesh. They're not doing it by the Spirit of God because God's not in it. He can do that to confirm something. You've got to understand the way I'm saying this. 
But he's not directing your life through a prophet. He, he can confirm something, but he's not direct. And you shouldn't seek it. It might happen to confirm something, but to seek it is unscriptural. This, the inner witness, is scriptural. Hallelujah. So learn not to depend on other people to hear from God. Hallelujah. We've got to, we've got to keep this rightly balanced to keep people safe. Um, so there are times that God, that I have known, know that I knew that I knew that uh, somebody was getting ready to make a huge mistake and that they were going to get into heartache and trouble and it was going to be uh, a problem. And I said, God, help them to see it. And they just weren't seeing it. And they were going down the tubes, going down the tubes. And I've had God say, and I say, God, I, I, unless you tell me, I can't go talk to them because they've got to learn to follow. They've got to learn this themselves. They've got to learn this themselves. And I've had times where he, he said, no, don't, don't say anything. And I've just watched them go down the tubes. I knew they were missing God. But I, the Lord didn't tell me to say anything. I don't, I don't go say anything unless the Lord tells me to say something. There have been times the Lord said, because you're their pastor and they'll listen to you, I want you to go and rescue them. And it has saved lives, saved people's hearts. But, but that is the exception the vast exception, not the rule. I don't want to base my doctrine on an exception. I want to base it on what the Bible says is the rule. And um, that was because God, God moved in a way beyond just the inner witness because it was getting dangerous. It, a life was getting ready to be destroyed. And God, out of His mercy was trying to save somebody from all that danger. But you are not promised that God will do that. You hear me? And to, to, for God to uh, practice always rescuing you by sending somebody to give you a word or something like that, for him to practice doing that all the time because it's getting dangerous and your life, is, it could be snuffed out, your life could be cut off, your life could, you could miss the plan of God or whatever. For God to do that on a regular basis and always rescue from, you from that as a bailout has the effect of training you not to listen to God unless he's talking in these other ways. You understand? And God doesn't want to train you wrong. He wants to train you listen to the inner witness. And so for that reason, God won't always, uh, He won't always send somebody to, to help you. But here's the thing, you don't need help. You understand? You've got the helper. I, I, <laughs> You've got the helper living right on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Now, I've had congregation members come and they've said, now, see, we've, we've left uh, uh, other offices and we're pastoring right now, you know. <laughs> but I've had congregation members come and say, you know, this is what I'm getting in my spirit. I've prayed. I've sought God. This, my, I talked to my spouse or whatever, and we're in agreement. The Holy Ghost is witnessing with us along this particular line that this is the direction for our lives and so forth and so on. We wanted to submit it to you to see, to, not to tell us what to do. You understand? Hear me closely. Not to tell us what to do. Many times the, the people's minds here are getting renewed. They're not looking for us to tell them what to do. But they'll say, this is what we're getting. 
if in anything it seems like we're missing it, let us know. And I might, I might not. I say, well, you got to follow your spirit. That's not the answer they usually want to hear. Because, see, I'm weaning them off of looking to a man. You ministers, wean your people. See, some of you lack, lack people depending on you because they need you. Wean them off of you to get to, teach them to trust the Holy Ghost. Teach them to trust the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, praise the Lord. This is where ministers get into a lot of manipulation and so forth. Now, I know, you know, you're, you're a pastor. You probably know this. Sheep, they listen to other voices sometimes. The Bible didn't say we wouldn't hear another voice. It says uh, he doesn't want us to follow those other voices. But sheep do. They hear other voices. They're, they're following their emotions. They're following whatever. Um, and you might say, well, what do I do about that? Preach the word. Preach the Word. Teach them from the, from the platform. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them what's God. Teach them how He leads. Teach them what's not God. Teach them how He doesn't lead. And, and uh, believe God for them to get it. Pray for them. Say, Lord, open their eyes of their understanding. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The best thing you can do as a pastor for your sheep is to teach them to recognize and identify the inner witness for themselves you teach them how to do that um, you have done a great favor for them you've done them a great service I appreciate the people that have taught me that have uh, opened my eyes to what the word says and says here's how the word here's how the Lord leads you and uh, remember yesterday we were talking about praying in tongues and 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 out of your belly will flow and that's the same place that when you pray in tongues that the the utterance is coming from your belly your spirit uh, because we read that in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if you were there yesterday. So learn to quiet your mind and teach your people how to quiet their mind because it doesn't witness with their mind and teach them to look into their spirits. Teach them to, to listen, teach them to identify where that's coming from when they pray in tongues. Amen. And when they identify where that's coming from, they just identify their spirit. They just located located their spirit and we need to become conscious of him because that's the part of God, part of man that God directs us through amen, amen. hallelujah and so uh, that's one of the best things you can do as a pastor um, you can teach people how to follow the spirit for themselves uh, you know and and just let them I mean you know they might they might make some wrong decisions <laughs> amen just let them make some wrong decisions they still learn something out of it Amen. You can be there to help pick up the pieces. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo, Pastor Jay, I've never pastored this way. Well, you better start. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, you, can, you can train them by say, okay, after it's all over, you can say, okay, all right, let's, let's talk about this. What, what happened here? What did you know? What, what did you uh, think you were trying to figure out? And, you know, just talk them through it and help them to identify what the Spirit was saying the whole time. And uh, how they, they hadn't recognized that and, and uh, so forth and so on. But uh, you should love maturity. And teach your people to love maturity. To, to, de to keep them dependent on you keeps them babies. You've raised children. Many of you, you have, you've had your own children or maybe still have young children. You're going to eventually raise them to be out on their own, right? 
You're going you're gonna to wean them off of you, depending on you, depending on your, you know, everything you do for them and so forth and so on. And they're going to grow from babyhood stage into maturity. And uh, when they get to maturity, they're going to make decisions for themselves and, and uh, you know, so forth and so on. And uh, maturity is something we should all uh, appreciate and we should all reach for. We should all value maturity. Uh, don't love the immature state to where uh, people are always looking to a man uh, and, t and teaching people to look to a man. That's to, for you to hold them in that state is to hold them in a place of immaturity. Yes. It's God's will that we grow up. Amen. And part of growing up is developing the spirit man, developing the inner witness and learning to follow him for ourselves. Praise the Lord. Yes. Well, I'm glad you came to the service. How about you? You glad you came? And so there's many other things here. We could just, just say it again. It's not, God's not promised you more when it comes to bigger decisions. He just, the, the inner witness is enough. All right? Just settle that. It's enough. We, we sometimes don't want to trust it because ah, I can't make the wrong decision. Well, you won't if you're following the inner witness. You're following peace. Hallelujah. Let's look before we close today. We, we, I think we might have a little time here to do this. Let's look at some of the ways the Bible describes this. Uh, this inner witness. Um, let's look at, uh, of course, Romans 8, verse number 16. He, def he defines it as the inner witness. Um, you might just want to write some of these scriptures down. I'm going to go a little fast because of our time here. We're running, uh, running out of time, but some of these scriptures, put them down in your notes and, uh, and meditate on these later because when you do, you know, I believe the Lord will teach you further what we're talking about. Because the inner witness is all through the New Testament. Now, I want you to look at, uh, along this line of the inner witness, uh, look at Rome, uh, Acts chapter number 16, real quickly, if you would. Acts chapter number 16, verse number 6 and 7. It says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Notice this is guidance here. The Lord said, don't go over there. After they, they were, well, it didn't say he said it, but they were forbidden. Somehow they knew not to do it. After they were come to, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed or attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Something on the inside wouldn't let them. Amen. It didn't say the Spirit said don't do it. It could be that that's what he said. He might have said something. We, we, it doesn't tell us exactly, but it doesn't say that he particularly said something. It just simply said that, verse number 6, they were forbidden, uh, the Holy Ghost. And second of all, he didn't suffer them or allow them. Now, do you realize you can do anything you want? But what he's saying here is they couldn't do it without overriding what was in here. You're a free moral agent. God will allow you to do anything, like we're just saying. He won't coerce you. But some things He won't let you do without your spirit bothering you. Without something on the inside saying, no, don't do that. So, or a witness, not even a voice. A witness, just an unction. That's not the right direction. You can do anything you want, but you can't do it with peace. <laughs> and I believe that's what He's talking about here. So I wanted you to see that, and we won't take the time to exhort on all this as much as we maybe could or should because of time. But um, 
the inner witness, like I said, it means confirm the word witness in the, uh, in the Greek. It means confirming or supporting testimony, evidence, or uh, corroborating evidence or report. Um, some other words for it. You might want to write these down quick or just go back over it later because of time. I'm going to go a little quick. Other words are unction. Remember 1 John 2, 20. You might want to write it down. Uh, we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know. Amen. Notice this unction causes us to know. Yes. How do you know? By the unction. Yes. What's the unction? By the witness. Yes. By the inner... Uh, uh, one translation says, it means this witness means to know intuitively. Or instinctual, untaught knowledge. You just instinctually know it. And somebody could ask you, how do you know? And you go, uh, I just know. <laughs> and they might want an explanation, but you don't have to give them an explanation. That's right. Hallelujah. I know of a, a, a story one time of a lady. She said uh, <clears throat> she, she got a hold of the Word of God and all her blessings that belonged to her, all her covenant rights, and she decided uh, she was going to walk in those and confess those daily and, and make them a part of her, her uh, faith life, and including protection, divine protection, no harm will come near my dwelling, you know, and so forth and so on. And she would say that every day. And one day she uh, went downtown in, in, a, in another, a big city, and she went shopping, and when she was downtown, she was mugged, and somebody stole her purse. And, and uh, that, that, that really uh, bothered her, because she's a faith woman and believe in God for protection, and, and uh, that she's redeemed from these kinds of things. And so she went to a minister that she had great confidence in and said, uh, you know, I, here's what happened, and it's kind of bothering me, you know. I'm a faith woman. I say every day I'm protected. I claim Psalm 91, and, and uh, I believe God's faithful and so forth, but I don't understand what happened here. I went downtown. She explained what I just told you about going shopping, getting mugged. Her purse was stolen. And the minister, if, if you know the minister, he's, he's a spirit-led man. He just looked on the inside, and he knew inside to ask her this. Did you have any uh, hesitation in your spirit, any prompting, any warning, any alarm? Don't go to, you know, downtown that day, go shopping. And she, she looked at him, she said, well, yeah. She said, I had a sense it was going to happen. And, uh, but you know, I said, but man, I'm a faith person. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I'm believing God for protection. And he said, you can't use your faith against the witness of the Spirit. What you know intuitively, you have to follow that to stay in faith. Amen. You can't be in faith and override the inner witness. That witness was God honoring your faith to be protected. And so therefore, because you were in faith, He was guiding you not to do it in order to honor your faith. But see, you can't separate faith from being led by the Spirit. But if you're in faith and then you get a leading, you have to follow that to stay in faith and to get what, God's, what belongs to you in faith. Amen. Amen. So that unction will tell you these things. Hallelujah. 
We've got to put, we got to just not try to do one area of the word or practice one area of the word, like believing the word and confessing the word, do all that, but, but set this aside. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't set aside the inner witness. That's God really working with your faith to bring it all to pass. So uh, praise the Lord. So it's called unction. Uh, uh, it's an inner uh, uh, or here's some words that some of the dictionaries, the Greek dictionaries used. Inspiration, compelling, prompting. Uh, and it said in our modern vernacular, we use words such as a hunch or an impression. Anybody know what those words mean? A prompting or a nudge. And none of those have to be a voice. You know, a hunch. We know what a hunch is. I don't know if you use that term, excuse me, in your, uh, in your nation, but we say it here, I just have a hunch. That's our way of saying, uh, I just have a knowing. <laughs> All right, so that, that helps me just thinking of some of these words. Some people call it their sixth sense. Now, that's not necessarily a scriptural term, but, but you have to think about what they're saying. They're saying, there's something beyond my five physical senses that lets me know things sometimes. It's not in the five physical senses. The five physical senses are in your body. And this inner witness is not in your flesh. It's in your spirit. But, you know, I, I did share that term with you just, just so you know this is something beyond your five physical senses. Amen. Uh, people sometimes use the word feeling. That's a bad expression. I just have a feeling. Feelings of the body and emotions can make you feel something. Uh, so I don't, call, I don't call the inner witness an inner feeling. That's, that's just unscriptural. Uh, feelings are not of the spirit, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, here's another, I think we ought to avoid confusing terms. Amen. So, but Acts chapter number 15, Acts chapter number 15, you're right there in Acts chapter 16, I believe. Look at verse 28. This is the apostles deciding on a major issue that arose in the church in the early days of the church, whether or not the Gentiles who got saved had to be circumcised. And this is how they made their decision. Notice it says in verse 28, Acts 15, 28, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us <laughs> to lay no further greater burden. In other words, we're not going to lay this circumcision on you Gentiles who got saved. You don't need to be circumcised to be saved. So notice how they came to this conclusion. This is a major issue, and it has to be decided right. So, you know, when God, when, when these things are major like this, God does, he, he goes a little extra, you know, and, and you get prophecies and you get angel choirs and things like that. Nope, not, nope, nope. He didn't give anything to them here except it just seemed good. Seemed good. You know, the whole book of Luke was written by the Spirit of God used Luke to write it. Luke's the human author. God did it by the Spirit, but through a man. But the Bible said that Luke started out the book of Luke. He said, uh, it seemed good having full understanding of, you know, Jesus' life and so forth. It seemed good. He didn't have an angel speak to him about writing the book of Luke, but it just had a leading, a prompting. I mean, that's a major thing. This is Scripture. And the Scripture is being written by what seemed good. Wow. Now, you're not going to write any Scriptures today, all right? 
but I'm ta talking to you about how some of these scriptures came hallelujah and uh, and so that's in Luke 1 verse number 3 let's go to another one here thank you Jesus uh, uh, let's go to uh, Acts chapter number 8 thank you Jesus Acts chapter number 8 verse number 23 Acts chapter number 8 verse number 23 this is uh, this is Peter ministering to a man who's uh, demon possessed and so forth he's being used of the devil Simon the sorcerer uh, but notice what it says here Paul said this I mean Peter said this excuse me in verse 23 I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity Say that out loud, I perceive. I perceive. Go over to Acts chapter number 27. Acts, this is one of my favorites in all the Bible. Acts chapter number 27. Uh, one reason we're looking at these is because every single one of these can describe a different way this inner witness can manifest. It can come as an inner uh, witness. It can come as an inner perception. Look at Acts 27, verse number 10. This is before Paul took this journey on the ship. You remember the shipwreck he had where all the, 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 the ship was busted apart and all of them sailed or all of them floated to shore on a board, you know. It was a terrible situation. But notice here, before it all happened, notice what happened in verse number 10, Acts 27. He, he, Paul said, Sirs, I perceive. There it is again. I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Now, notice he picked this up in his spirit before it all happened. Remember the stories I told you yesterday? How on, uh, over a period of about six months, thing after thing, the, the Holy Ghost kept picking, I was picking things up by the Holy Ghost, things that were about ready to happen, things that were about ready to happen. And because of picking it up and praying to change it. See, if God shows you something evil is going to happen, it's not because it's His will. You know His will from His Word. And if He shows you something bad is getting ready to happen, He's trying to uh, uh, spare you of it and get you to not go there, not do that, or pray and get it changed. And so here's Paul, by the Spirit of God, picking up all this big shipwreck that's getting ready to happen. If you read the whole chapter, it's a mess about all that happened. But God was trying to spare them all of it. Are you with me this evening? There's a lot of things come into people's lives because they didn't follow a perception. God never intended it be in their lives. God never intended they be, on this, they be in this shipwreck. But they got into it. Now, you might say, well, why didn't Paul just not go? Well, he's a Roman prisoner. He's ch chained to a Roman guard. He's not in charge of the trip making. He's not in charge of making the decisions. Anybody ever gotten into trouble because somebody else made a wrong decision? <laughs> well, there's a way to get out of it. Anyway, I don't have time to get into all that. But uh, go to Mark chapter number 2. This inner perception. This is a way the Bible talks about this inner witness. The more we look at this, the more you're going to say, boy, it's all over the Bible, isn't it? Yes, because it's New Testament. Look with me at Mark chapter 2. I'm telling you, you ought to write these verses down. Don't, don't let these verses get past you. I mean, I've done all this study. I don't want to 
you don't have to redo all the study. Just do the study. You know, follow what, what God's shown us. Look here in Acts chapter, no, not Acts, Mark chapter number 2, verse number 8. It says, immediately when Jesus perceived, now here it tells us more information. Where, where does this perception happen? In his spirit. If they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Remember, they were saying, who can forgive sins but God only? Remember, they're, but they're not, they're not saying it out loud. They're just, they're just reasoning in, the, in, your, in their hearts. And he picked it up by the inner perception. Notice, you underline that, that word, it's very important, all those words, perceived in his spirit. That's where this takes place. Doesn't take place in your mind. It doesn't take, it doesn't, you don't look at people and, you know, look at their countenance or look at something in the natural and perceive this. This is something that goes beyond what you see in the natural. Um, the word in the in a couple other translations for perceived is became aware. The root translation says became aware. Amplified says became fully aware. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't you write down, I won't take the time to turn to it, but Acts chapter number 14, verse number 9. Just write that down because that's another one where uh, someone perceived. This is uh, they, when they heard Paul speak, uh, th this man heard Paul speak, and Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. The man, and, and, and Paul acted on what he perceived, and the man was healed. This is how miracles happen. Hallelujah. This is what can guide you. The Holy Ghost perceive, this, the, the perception of the Spirit can guide you right into miracles. Yes. Glory to God. All right. For time's sake, we got to keep rolling. Uh, Colossians chapter number 3. I'm, I'm wanting to not go too much longer here. This one is huge, huge, huge. This, this one we're getting ready to talk about. Don't let this one get past you. I wish we had more time for it. Colossians chapter number Three. Look at verse number 15. It says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The Amplified Classic says in the English, it says, Let it rule, let it act as an umpire in your hearts, deciding, get that word, and settling. Now listen to this, with finality, with finality. In other words, this settles the issue, it's not up for debate anymore. What settles it? Peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, deciding, settling, with finality, all questions that arise in your hearts and minds. Whoo! Do you have another week? <laughs> that is huge. The inner witness will manifest as inner peace. Peace is to guide you. you. You can say it that way. Peace is to guide you. Let it rule in your heart. Let it guide you. Let it decide. Let it make your decisions. Let it make decisions that are settled, that don't change. Glory to God. Now, you can you not have peace about something in your head, but you have peace in your heart. This is all in your spirit. None of this is in your emotions or your feelings or, or your, your intellect. There are things that you can have peace about doing in your heart that your head hasn't figured out how that could ever work. 
and your, peace, your, your mind doesn't have peace, but your heart has peace, you have to go with the peace down here, even when you don't understand all, when, even when you have a lot of questions up here. And there are things up here you don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to work. Uh, if you don't learn to do that, then you'll be missing a lot of the leadings. Because you'll be trying to figure out, well, I just don't understand how it's all going to come to pass. Remember uh, 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 Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number uh, 8. It talks about Noah went out not knowing where he's going. There are some things that, that lead, following the Spirit is going to lead you into that you're not going to know everything in your head. But that's what faith is for. Faith is for when following what you have a piece about down here, even whenever your head doesn't know how it's all going to work out. Amen. That's a big deal. And so, um, uh, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. My goodness, I, I guess we should maybe hurry along here more than we are but this is very very important Amen. 2 Corinthians 2 verse number 12 and 13 I'm enjoying exhorting all, all about all these things and, and uh, it's taking a little longer but it's, it's, it's good we need to feed on these things yeah. 2 Corinthians 2 12 and 13 he said here I mentioned this one yesterday he said furthermore when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and the, and the door was opened unto me of the Lord I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. In other words, he didn't stay there because he had no rest. He called it here rest in his spirit. Um, he, 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 if he didn't have peace, he didn't stay. You understand what he's talking about there? Having no rest in his spirit, the Greek for rest means ease, relaxation, relief relief amen? amen hallelujah and so there there is an ease to what you're getting ready to do not now your mind might not understand it but in your spirit you have peace about it if you lose peace then you uh, move on amen what do you have peace about all right for, for time's sake keep on rolling with me proverbs 20 27 i'll just quote this one write that down Proverbs 20, 27, he said in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So there it is talking about the core of your being again. The witness is not up here in your mind, it's down here in the core of your being. And he, he calls this, this uh, leading in the core of your being, the, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, this leading, this witness can be like an inner illumination. A candle, we would say today, a light bulb. Uh, it illuminates. And that's what he's saying this inner witness is like. It's like an inner illumination. Uh, first, just write this verse down also. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. I know we're giving you a lot of scriptures, but see, you can preach a whole year on all this. You can meditate on this and meditate on this. I'm going to 1 Timothy 4, verse number 1. He said, The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, so forth and so on. Um, but notice that term, the Spirit speaks expressly. <clears throat> the word expressly means clearly or distinctly. And so here he's actually talking about the Holy Ghost saying something. But you could apply this to the way the Holy Ghost witnesses with you as well. He witnesses clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no question. It's not, 
it's not i mean you might have questions in your mind about all the hows and who's and what you know wherefores and when and all that but but uh you have no question that you're going the right direction it's it's distinct it's clear it's it's like it's like whenever the light when the sun is fully risen there's enough light to see things clearly when when the light when the sun's just barely coming up it's not completely all the darkness hasn't been dispelled yet and you can't see clearly that's what he's talking about and that's the way the holy ghost speaks and that's the way he witnesses the inner witness and the inner the, the voice of the spirit is always clear if it's indistinct to you the lack of clarity is on your end not on his end Amen. All right. For time's sake, keep on rolling. Luke chapter number 24, verse number 32. Luke 24, verse 32. Now, this is whenever the, the men were walking on the road to Emmaus. Anybody remember how when Jesus rose from the dead, He appeared to those two men on the road to Emmaus? Rome, I mean, uh, Luke 24 talks about it. And in verse number 32, later, when Jesus had finished talking, and then He disappeared, notice what they said verse 32 they said one to another did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures <laughs> they didn't realize it was him when he was walking talking with them but whenever he disappeared they're like well actually right before they dis that he, dis that he disappeared and vanished they immediately knew it was him and he vanished yeah. into thin air <laughs> well then they said man our hearts were burning in us when he was talking. That was the inner witness. Yes. Uh, you know, in the inner witness is like an inner fire sometimes. Your, your spirit man lights up. <laughs> Amen. We could spend a lot more time on that than we, than we have time. But the next one is in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. I referred to that earlier where we talked about the mind of Christ. But if you read all the scriptures up until that 16th verse, um, it's in 1 Corinthians 2, verses uh, 6, or I, actually I said 9 through 16, um, you'll see there that he talks over and over again about we have, that, that we have the Spirit, not which is Spirit which is of the world, but Spirit which is of God, that we might know, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's verse number 12. And uh, the, no man knows the things of God save the Spirit of God, and that's why we have the Holy Ghost, so that we might know. The natural man doesn't receive this knowledge, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And so this inner witness can be an inner knowing. You need to catch that one. That's very, very prominent in my life. It's just an inner knowing. Uh, probably the two most prominent ones in my life is inner peace and inner knowing. Inner clarity is up there too. I get a lot of that. But um, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 6 is an inner knowing. You can't put words on how you know. You just know. Yeah. Amen. And another one is Mark 5, 30. You can just write that down. I won't, unless you want to go there, you might not have time to go there with me. But in Mark 5, 30, this is Jesus again. And it talks about Jesus in verse 30. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned in the press and said, who touched my clothes? This is when the woman with the issue of blood touched him. Amen. Yep. And it says, notice, 
Notice, you can read that and miss it. Notice how it says it. He immediately knew in himself. He didn't know because he felt her touch. You read the next statement, the disciples said, there's a lot of people touching you, Jesus. What do you mean somebody touched me? So he didn't, there was a lot of people touching him. He didn't know this woman touched him with faith and that the power went out of him into her because he physically felt her touch him. A lot of people had been touching him. So that was not, you know, anything unusual that day. How did he know it? He knew it in himself. Did you get that? It's an inner knowing. Not because of any outward evidence, not because of any of the five physical senses telling you that it is so. You can know things that none of the five physical senses yet have caught up to the fact that it's so. <laughs> Amen. If you'll learn to live that way, you'll be ahead of the devil. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The devil will, will try to do things, and you can know it before he even tries to pull it off. Hallelujah. Another was John 6, 61. These are verses, write them down. Oh, please write them down. Don't let them get past you. This is the way we live, right? So John 6, 61, it says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? He knew it in himself. He didn't hear them, you know, say anything about being offended, but he knew it in himself. The Phillips translation says he knew it intuitively. Montgomery translation, he was conscious within himself. <laughs> I like that translation. There's just an inner awareness that it's so. Listen, pastor, if you pastor, you need to pastor by the Holy Ghost. That means inner, you have an inner awareness. This is going on in my church. This is going on in my church. Amen. Something's not right here. Something's not right in that department. We, I used to work uh, with uh, Kenneth Hagin Ministries in the uh, healing school. And every now and then, I didn't know what it was all about at the time, but they told me later. Every now and then, Brother Hagin would just come on in and just kind of walk around and say hi to everybody. I just thought he was being friendly, you know, talking to people. But later on, they said, no. Sometimes he walks into departments and goes back to his office and calls the head of that department and said, dismiss so-and-so, they're fired. He was walking around checking his spirit. He's keeping his ministry clean. Hello, pastor, you can know by the Holy Ghost. There's murmuring going on in my congregation. They're talking about me for, at, at the dinner table. Amen. You can know. You can know who's with you. You can know who's not with you. Yeah, come on. You can know who to put in positions and who not to put in positions. There are people that walk through the doors of my church. They walk in, and the Spirit of God just lets me know, you're not their pastor. You're, they're not your sheep. Yeah. I had one just happen a few. It started about five weeks ago. And I knew they wouldn't last because I knew they wouldn't be able to hear what the Spirit of God's saying through the services. And, and they haven't been back much. So, but uh, you just need to know, don't give people places of responsibility and places of authority. You got this bug flying around. <laughs> but don't give them that kind of position until you know by the Spirit that the Spirit of God's saying they're, they're the right ones for that position. Amen. Oh, glory to God. All right, let's keep on rolling. Uh, Psalm 42, verse number 7. We're almost done. I know it's going long, but we're almost done. Psalm 42, verse 7. It says, you know this verse maybe, it says, Deep calleth unto deep. Deep calleth unto deep. 
there's a uh, verse in Revelation 22:17 that says, "The Spirit and the Bride say, Come." Many times the the witness of the Spirit is what I call, I'm going to use this word here, an inner summons or an inner invitation. Uh, when, when the Bible says here, Psalm 42, 7, deep calleth unto deep, that means sometimes the Spirit of God will call deep to your deep, the deep part of your being. And what he's, what he's doing is, when, when it says call, a call is a summons. When you get a, if your phone is laying over in another room of your house and it rings, it summonses you from where you are to where the phone is. It's a summons. It's a, hey, talk to me. Listen to me. I got something I got to say. <laughs> right? The call to ministry is that way. It's just a drawing towards going this direction in my life. And there's a call to many things, more, more than just ministry. Um, and, and people can sense that, and they can uh, have a distinct, it's like, a, it's like they're being drawn towards it. Not with their intellect, but down in here. Something on the inside keeps drawing them towards this. Like people, I've, I've talked to people in the congregation, and they're just drawn. I, I, I got to get in that prayer group and be a part of that prayer group. I'm drawn to prayer. Well, that's God bringing them into more in the things of God concerning prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's an inner calling, and it produces, listen to this word. Don't get, let this get past you. It produces an appetite. Yes. You're hungry for it. You, you, you just want to, like, like there's things that I'm drawn to specifically in my life in the ministry that others are not drawn to as much. But I'm drawn to certain subjects and certain things because God's trying to get me into that in my own life and ministry. He wants to use me in that area. It's a, it, I got a hunger for it. It's like an appetite on the inside. It's an insatiable desire, not of the flesh. Your flesh has desires too. They're called lust of the flesh. But your spirit has hunger for certain things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin described it as sometimes as, as, as if, like whenever he's in a Holy Ghost meeting ministering to people, he said it's as if there's a rope around my waist just drawing me towards certain people. And uh, I, have, I have a knowing I'm supposed to go over there and minister to them. Praise the Lord. Well, did you get anything out of all that? It's a summons. It's an invitation, you might call it. It's a, a drawing. And, uh, and those are the ways the Spirit of God can lead you. It's a, it's a bidding. A, a, uh, a, uh, you know, it draws you from one place to another place. We have, uh, you don't have pets and dogs in your countries like, like we do, but um, here in the United States, we got cats and dogs that live in our house. <laughs> and we, we, you know, you can go outside and the dog's out running somewhere and you can call the dog, hey, Rover, come here, hey, you know, whistle and do all that. And he'll, it'll draw him from where he is, he'll come to you. He'll learn his name. Maybe he thinks you're going to give him a treat or food or something. So he'll come. And, and that's called calling the dog. What did it do? It took him from where he was to where some place you wanted him to be. And that's the way God gets you to where he wants you to be. It's just an inner summons. He just keeps drawing you toward it. Just keep drawing. That's how people ought to be led to your church. They're drawn to come to your church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that's, that, there's others that are, uh, you know, we don't have the time for, but I believe that's a good place to, to end today. 
And uh, I encourage you to cultivate this. I'm talking about the inner witness. Cultivate and develop your spirit. And, and one way you cultivate it is meditate on the word along this line and then uh, feed on the word. The word develops your spirit. But then always instantly follow what you have on the inside. What you get. If you get a witness to, to be at this meeting, go to this place, connect with this ministry, so forth and so on, uh, then, then follow those things. And as you do, uh, you'll, you'll begin to uh, develop and, and you can cultivate. The, the more you yield to this, the more aware you become of it. And you can become so aware that it's just as real to you as somebody talking to you on the phone saying, here's what you should do. You can know exactly on the inside, this is what I need to be doing. And, and listen, you have the ability to never miss it again. Uh, I'm not there yet, but that potential is on the inside of us. So let's develop this and follow the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, He's got a good plan, and He'll lead you into all the good things He has for you. He'll not lead you into failure. He is not into failure. He'll lead you into the blessed life, the good life, the prosperous life. He'll lead you into a greater anointing, bearing more fruit for the kingdom of God, reaching more people. You just go on and on. I mean, the life of peace in your mind. He'll teach you how to, how to uh, stay healthy and strong in your body how to have a good marriage, raise kids that go the right direction in life. He'll teach you in all these affairs of life. And I'm telling you, as a result of some of these things, it can be like days of heaven on earth. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Are you hungry for that? Amen. Then we need to not just develop in faith, but develop in following these things as well. Praise God. Let me pray with you, pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful for the privilege of ministering this. And thank you for each of these ministers that are receiving this and learning and growing. Father, they're so precious to you and they're precious to us. We ask you, Father, that this word would find uh, a home in their heart. May each of them open themselves, if, it's, if it was corrective or if it was instructive or if it changed the way they're looking at things or, or they're approaching decisions. Father, uh, may they all humbly say, yes, Lord, I respond to the way you said you would guide me. And and not these other ways that I maybe have been following. Father, as they respond to that, thank you for more success, more fruit in their lives, more, more blessed lives, and more increase in every area because you're leading us into increase. And we thank you for it. We bless each one. We thank you that the word will not return unto us void. It will accomplish that which you please. In the name of Jesus, amen.